guys remember working on a group project in school? I know some of you guys might have to think back a little bit further, but try to think about it. We either loved it or you hated it. And the people who loved it were the ones who kind of got to breeze on by because there's somebody else doing all the work. And the people who hated it were the ones who had to do all the work. Or maybe you've been in a group project where you felt really lost. Um, You weren't sure of your part in it. You felt like you were on the sidelines. Imagine a room buzzing around with the activity and people are talking and you're just on the sidelines wondering your part in the chaos. It's like being handed a puzzle piece without knowing where you fit in. Now think about your journey with God. It can sometimes feel like that group project. We're handed this piece of life, but it's tough to see the big picture. We're unsure and we misunderstand our puzzle piece. We start to ask, what is my purpose? What is the will of the Lord? How do I come under the will of the Lord? Sometimes in the midst of uncertainty and confusion, we try to mimic what others are doing around us. We try to put our puzzle piece in a place that we weren't intended to fit. And sometimes we just stand there passively waiting. But ultimately, God desires for us to be active participants in what he is doing, not only in our immediate spheres and circles, but also in the grand picture of the world. So the question is, how can we be active participants? Mary, the mother of Jesus, is able to relate to us in this way. Her story is more than a historical account. It is a guidebook showing us how we can be active players in God's plan, helping us find our place in the bigger picture. We're in our second week of our Advent series. Last week, we got to hear from Maddie about two expecting mothers waiting in hope for a child. But this week, we get to read about Mary, who is an unexpected mother who is greeted, with, greeted by an angel with the biggest news of her life. Through Mary's story, we're gonna witness truth, trust, and faith in God, as well as obedience and a surrender to his plan. You can open your Bibles up to Luke 126 through 38, and if you're using a Bible from the pew, it's on page 1041. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from the Lord will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Today, we're gonna explore the essence of trust and faith and obedience as we journey through Mary's encounter with the angel Gabriel, 
a journey that reveals how trust lays unyielding threads in the tapestry of faith, and obedience weaves a compelling narrative, creating a powerful story of, of divine guidance and resilience. Mary's trust in the midst of confusion and uncertainty shines through in this narrative. The passage describes Mary as a young teenager of the house of David, living in the humble town of Nazareth in Galilee. Despite her lineage, she was not of high social reputation, and her circumstances were modest at best. Yet, she was chosen for a divine and an extraordinary purpose, to be the mother of the long-awaited Messiah. The passage highlights Mary's unique position as a chosen vessel for the incarnation of the Savior. Gabriel, the angel who earlier announced the birth of John to Zacharias, now appears to Mary. When the Gabriel appeared to Mary, the angel's salutation was both affirming and startling. Mary was addressed as highly favored, indicating God's special grace upon her. Did you realize or notice that it doesn't say Mary was highly favored because dot, dot, dot? She didn't do anything special or extraordinary to deserve this. The title full of grace in the Latin translation emphasizes God's favor bestowed upon her. It was not due to her inherent qualities, but a result of God's sovereign choice for her crucial role as she was to play in the redemption of humanity. Mary's confusion upon hearing the angel's message did not stem from doubt or disbelief, but rather a genuine desire to understand the unfolding plan of God. The angel's proclamation of the conception of Jesus through the Holy Spirit warranted a natural inquiry. Mary asked, how will this be? Her question was not a challenge to the angel's credibility. Her question was of wonder-filled faith. Still, instead, she sought to understand the supernatural event she was gonna experience, where the piece of her puzzle fit. Sometimes we picture our lives and what God has planned for us Sorry. Sometimes what we picture for our lives and what God has planned for us are two different things. I want to take a minute and put us in Mary's shoes. Guys, I know this is not really easy for you to do because you can't have a baby, but just pretend. How would you have responded? You know, embodying qualities similar to Mary involves embracing faith and humility and a willingness to trust God's plan, but sadly, this isn't usually our reality. Usually, our response can look like doubt, fear, anger, or maybe even feeling inconvenienced. I also want to just acknowledge that it's okay to have those initial doubts and fears. Mary had an initial troubling feeling, but what is important is what we choose to do and believe after that. For most of, God, most of us, what God is calling us into is not as intense or extraordinary as Mary's, but it still pushes us to be uncomfortable and to truly rely and trust on the Lord. There might be some of us who have an invitation to reconcile a relationship. This would require you to take a step of faith and reach out to hum and humble yourself before the person and trust God's timing and his way of mending the relationship. Some of us might feel called to parent. Maybe your journey to parenthood has taken an unexpected shape, kind of like Mary's. Having faith in this call may look like being a parent in a different capacity. You may need to humble yourself before the Lord in receiving the child or children in whatever way he deems fit and trust that he has yours and that child's best interest at heart. 
Mary's question of how will this be since I'm a virgin indicates that she has an understanding of the natural order and a a desire to align her will with God's. In other words, Mary's had the birds and the bees talk. She knows what one plus whatever has to equal baby. So the angel, Gabriel, his response clarified the miraculous nature of that conception, emphasizing the Holy Spirit's role in the child's uniqueness as a holy thing. Mary's heart posture and her acceptance to um, God's will and the absolute trust that she has in him amazes me. In the societal context of Mary's time, being pregnant before marriage would have created significant challenges and difficulties. The cultural and religious norms in the ancient Jewish society placed a high value on moral purity and of adherence to family traditional values. Premarital pregnancy was not only socially frowned upon, but carried severe consequences for the individuals involved. Unmarried pregnancy would have exposed Mary to social condemnation, In a tightly knit community where everybody knew everyone, such a situation would have led to gossip and judgment and exclusion. The community's perception of Mary would have likely been tarnished, affecting her reputation and that of her family. I don't know how many of you guys have grown up in Salem or how long you've lived here. Even though Salem is the capital city of Oregon, there are still small town attributes. Everybody knows everybody. You can't tell me you go to Winco or Costco and don't run into somebody that you know. You see, when everybody knows everyone, your information about your life spreads fast, (laughs) especially if it's scandalous. (laughs) Imagine if information about your life could spread fast in a city of Salem that is 49 square miles, how much faster would your information spread in a town that is five square miles? This is just Mary's reality. There was no hiding. Her life was gonna be on full display. The honor of one's family was of utmost importance in in this ancient society, and an unwed pregnancy could bring shame and disgrace upon her family. Marriages were often viewed as alliances between the two families, and a perceived breach of moral standards could have long-lasting consequences. They may even have faced economic challenges due to this. In a society where an arranged marriage, uh, that arranged marriages were expected, the economic well-being was often tied to the reputation of its members and the marital status. While there's no explicit mention in the Bible um, for legal consequences, Jewish law did mention severe consequence um, for adultery, which included stoning. Mary, being pledged to Joseph, was legally considered his wife, and her pregnancy could have been an, an interpretation of a violation of their betrothal contract. Lastly, the revelation of Mary's pregnancy to Joseph could have strained their relationship. I imagine when she's hearing this information from the angel, that was probably one of her first thoughts. What is Joseph gonna think? How am I gonna tell him I'm gonna seem crazy? Engagement, again, in this culture was a binding commitment and discovering that Mary was pregnant without Joseph's involvement could have led him to doubt her faithfulness and even consider ending their engagement. But in light of these potential challenges, Mary's acceptance of a role as the mother of Jesus, conceived by the Holy Spirit, becomes even more more remarkable. Her obedience and trust in God's plan required her to navigate um, the social culture of her time, trusting that he would guide her and take care of all the details. 
In Matthew 1.20, we get to see how God took care of the details for her. He sent an angel to meet with Joseph and explain what was happening. In that, this allowed for their relationship to stay intact and for dignity to be restored to Mary. Mary's story, therefore, is not only one of faith and obedience, but also a testament to her resilience in the face of societal and cultural expectations and challenges. How does Mary's story of faith, trust, resonate with you, resonate in today's challenges? In other words, have you been given a puzzle piece you don't feel ready for? Or maybe it has the potential to add challenges and hardships to your life. Maybe your puzzle piece involves a call to love others, but you don't want to love the difficult coworker you have at work. Maybe your puzzle piece involves a chronic illness that requires you to continually put your trust in him and be content with his plan for your life. In all this uncertainty, Mary is rooted in trust and faith in the Lord's word. When trust and faith is coupled with a willingness to act, it allows God to use us to his full potential. We looked at Mary's trust and her faith, but now let's look at her radical obedience of God's plan. Mary's obedience and acceptance of God's plan is a perfect model of faith and submission. Despite the unbelievable nature of the message she received from the angel Gabriel, Mary responded with a heart full of humility, trust, and readiness to, uh, ready to fulfill the role assigned to her in God's redemptive plan. Mary's acceptance of being the mother of the Messiah was not a passive acceptance. Instead, it was an active surrender to divine will. When the angel greeted her with the news of conceiving the Son of God, Mary's immediate response was in verse 38. Behold, I am the Lord's servant. In this declaration, she positioned herself as a servant below the Lord, ready to fulfill God's purpose, acknowledging her willingness to be used by God in whatever way he deemed fit. The submission wasn't of blind compliance, but a conscious act of faith. It was an act of obedience every day. The verse ends with, may your word to me be fulfilled. This shows Mary's complete surrender to God's plan. Her response was not marked by hesitation or reluctance, but rather a profound trust in the promises of God. Mary's words echo a deep understanding that God's word is trustworthy and his plans are perfect. By saying these words, she embraced the purpose of her life, accepting the role as the, as the mother of Jesus. Now imagine God telling you in advance a beautiful or hard thing you have to endure. Could you honestly say that despite your feelings that you could say, may your words to me be fulfilled? You know, I've been given a puzzle piece. We all have. And over time, it's morphed. Before graduating, um, before graduating high school in 2014, I thought I'd go on the traditional track of college. You know, the whole four-year experience, study nursing, get my degree in it. That nursing job would then provide stability for my life. I could have the big house and the big yard I always wanted. But after I graduated, I felt really unsure of what to do. At that time, I started to feel a stirring in my heart. God was wooing me back to him. Eventually, I dropped out of college and I began to work. And during that time is when the Lord revealed to me I was to do YWAM. 
And I know most of you guys know what YWAM is, but it does stand for Youth with a Mission. I went and did a discipleship training school, and the first three months is um, our lecture phase where you study the Bible and study different attributes about the Lord, and then a three-month outreach phase where you get hands-on practical training and missions. The first time I received clarity on my puzzle piece was during my time in YWAM. God began revealing his will for my life. I began to understand where my puzzle piece fit. He showed me I had a call to full-time ministry. Though this wasn't as heavy or shocking news as Mary's, it was still really hard to come to grips with. It required me to change my plans. And frankly, I never wanted to do full-time ministry. It wasn't a desire on my heart. But as I wrestled and I accepted it, I felt confident in his will. I wanted to come under the lordship of his will for my life to fulfill his purposes. And throughout this, it hasn't been a one-time act where he says, you're gonna be in full-time ministry. Okay, I'll go to school. That's my one act of obedience. No, it's been an act of obedience every day to align myself with his and to walk in his will. Like I said, my puzzle piece has morphed, especially recently. Earlier this summer, I went through a divorce. And in this season of grief, I've had to wrestle with God about why. Why is this a part of my puzzle piece? I don't understand where it fits in the grand scheme. Though this is different circumstances than Mary's, both hold heaviness and confusion and a fear of what others will think. As I've been studying this passage, I have felt the weight and the severity of needing to trust God with the details. I've had to wrestle with how others will think of me, especially as someone who works full-time in a church and is pursuing a pastoral degree. How am I, how am I to continue on this path where this will be brought up? Will there be wrong perceptions of me and my values? Will I be frowned upon in the church? Will I even have a place? Honestly, it'd be easy, the easy road to give up, to change my own path for, because of my own reasonings. But despite the weight of my current puzzle piece, my heart's desire is to continually surrender and walk in obedience to the call he's given me, a call to shepherd and to love and to pastor others. I just wanna encourage you that if you have a puzzle piece that feels pretty heavy, or it's not what you expected, or if it just straight up doesn't make sense, there's a purpose in it, and the Lord's sovereign hand is upon it. Mary's obedience and surrender serves as a real-life model for believers. Her willingness to embrace the extraordinary, coupled with a humble submission to God's will, demonstrates the kind of faith God values and the faith I want to have. In Mary's story, we find an invitation to trust God in his providence, even when the path ahead looks unclear, unconventional, and even unwanted. God is still showing me how my puzzle piece fits in my life and in the church. It's honestly, I've honestly enjoyed getting to know Mary's story because it's encouraged me to lean into the mystery of it all. Everybody's puzzle piece looks different. It has different edges, it has different colors, it has different images but they're all needed in order to see the full picture of what's, what God is doing here, even at Valley, 
in the city of Salem and even in the world. So how can Mary's act of surrender and unwavering acceptance of God's plan inspire us to trust and willingly align ourselves with God, especially in the face of uncertainties and unconventional paths? I shared how my life is now on an unconventional and very unexpected path, yet I'm trying to choose to actively surrender my own plans to him. How are you doing the same? When you've heard from the Lord about a call or an invitation, what's your response been? Maybe you feel like you haven't had your Marian Gabriel moment where God has revealed the plans to you. Maybe you're just so busy and tired and distracted and you need to get time away with the Lord so he can guide you. One last thing I want to highlight from Mary's story is that Mary's obedience came at a cost. She lost her social standings, her dreams, her plans, her reputation, and even her wedding ceremony. There's going to be times in our lives where God is going to ask us to be obedient and it's going to cost us. For us, it might be costing our comfortability, our pride, our time, and our dreams. It makes me think of this man from Portland, Oregon, named Jim Elliott. He was a martyr for the Christian faith when he was serving in Ecuador as a missionary. He was willing to give up whatever for the sake of being obedient. He has this quote that captures the heart attitude I think we must have. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. This quote reflects his willingness to sacrifice the temporary, the earthly possessions, his comfortability, for the sake of gaining something eternal. In closing, I want us to consider the puzzle piece we've been given, whether it's an unexpected turn in life, a challenging relationship, a shift in plans. Trust God's sovereignty. Actively surrender your plans, aligning yourself with his purpose, just as Mary's obedience led to your divine guidance, our surrender, can, our surrender can pave the way for God's extraordinary work in our lives. Let me just pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for your word and your truth. I thank you, Lord, that you invite us to walk intimately with you in the plan that you've set before us. Lord, would you help us to submit to you? Would you help us release our desires and our plans and replace it and align ourselves with yours? Would we take away from this message how you value trust, faith, and obedience? May Mary encourage us as we, as we go home and we are in this Christmas season. May we have ears to hear what you have to say to us and how you want to work through us and impact our city and our homes and our workplaces. So yeah, we just give this to you, Lord, and we ask that your will be done in each of our lives. Amen.